Hey, Josh. How are you, Nate? Doing pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, hot and muggy over here. No, something I'm not used to. So feeling the heat. Yeah, it's been strange here. It's been cooler and then did get a little hotter. I think we might have one of those high heat warning days this mm. week. Um, I think they even warned us because one of the kids' camps might get out early because of it on Thursday. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty hot. I guess you get some uh, good thunderstorms with that too, probably. Yeah, it stormed a little yesterday. I was driving home and saw what seemed like a big bolt of lightning I don't know. Whenever you see it and it feels close, it's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's a little scary. So this week, um, I think we're doing this a little more impromptu. We're doing it the day before our usual recording. Not that anyone really notices because we'll we'll put this out on the same day every week anyway. But um I know I wanted to chat with you because you had some things going on on Twitter. Uh, you seem to be uh, coding something. <laughs> uh, and I know we haven't had much, too many, not, not as many updates recently on like what you're up to in your search for SaaS. So, um, mm-hmm. so, so I thought we'd chat a little bit about that. And uh, as another topic, I, we've had some interesting things going on here at Referral Rock that I thought would be kind of a fun topic to talk about, which is, you know, uh, we're ending up prioritizing a feature uh, based off of a, I guess, a certain order of operations that happened with our customer support as well as a uh, a, a long-standing customer. So I'll leave it at that. We'll uh, probably talk cool. about that a little bit more in the second half. But um, yeah, any, anything to add that? we're going to chat about today no that sounds great now i'm anticipating what your your topic is later left me hanging cool yeah probably won't be worth the wait <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no i think it i think it's interesting it's one of those things you're balancing always a balancing act with kind of product features but yeah. uh so yeah so you why don't, why don't you start with what you kind of what are you what are you up to there yeah in canada <laughs> <laughs> up in Canada. Um, so I've been kind of working on an idea around competitive intelligence. And so that's kind of this whole field of companies that will basically look into your competition for you uh, and give you some insights into what they're doing or um, where the strategy is and that sort of thing. Um, and so I kind of, the the concept that I'm working with is um, basically a simplified version of some of the other competitive intelligence offerings out there so basically for the the mid-level businesses not for the the big enterprises okay so tracking back a bit just this relates to the when you were talking about the e-commerce types of things i i I think i think we branched from there but that was like the initial impetus a, a few months ago when we were talking about you're like, maybe you're going to be a drop shipper, <laughs> all yeah. that type of thing. And I think at some point I pointed you to a, uh, I was like, oh, I think this is really called product management if you're thinking about it kind of from the founder and marketing perspective. And, mm-hmm. and that this is kind of where that bouncing ball has led you thus far. Yeah. So kind of I went down the product marketing uh, group, um, which is um, yeah really focused on strategy and that sort of thing. 
and um, kind of got plugged in there and found that they're using some really big enterprise grade software there. And so I figured that there's probably a, a place to kind of go down market from that and uh, yeah, see what's there. And then a couple of weeks ago, you had a, I think you were asking some people's opinions as well. Is this tie all, all in together too? Yes, it's all, you know, me pulling the strings behind the scenes, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so I did a bunch of customer interviews um, just to kind of um, get a feel for where different people in different markets were at. So I talked to um, single, like, solo founders who are just running by themselves, a um, couple people who had smaller companies, you know, like five to ten employees. I talked to marketers. I talked to salespeople. Um, I talked to, kind of threw it past a couple of devs that we know, Um just to kind of try and see like where, where might this land and does this actually make sense uh, to build? So did you get down to like what the key thing that they want to know is out of competitive intelligence? Like maybe reframe that a little bit on so our end users or listeners kind of know what, like give an example. Yeah. So it's a lot to do with this like fear of missing out or fear of being left behind. Um, so if you picture, you know, there's, um, you know, one software company is build uh, like two software companies are neck and neck and they're building feature for feature, you know, trying to win over users. They're forever, um, looking at each other's social feeds at each other's websites, just to get any clue, like what, where are they headed? What are they going to do next? And, um, so some of these tools can really help them to, um, satisfy that without having to do a ton of work. Okay. Okay. So like, let's say website monitoring, for example, right? There's like Pingdom and I don't know who else. I mean, you probably know many yeah. more of the competitors than I do, but. Right. So there's like Pingdom and uh, Uptime Robot and Solar, yeah, Solar Winds is Pingdom. Um, but for instance, those two are very, um, they're very similar. They have a lot of similar audience and that sort of thing. And so for them, you know, Pingdom might want to have a competitive intelligence uh, tracking on Uptime Robot. So when Uptime Robot decides to release, you know, SMS uh, alerts, then Pingdom's like, oh, okay, we've got to get that. And, you know, within days, they can have that feature rolled out and not have to worry about their their customers leaving or those kinds of things. Right, right. Uh, I, I also had a good example. I don't know if we've ever mentioned it on the show before, which was, um, you know, in referral marketing, one of my competitors was Ambassador. Um, I've always thought this would be a good topic for the show, but I'm not sure if we've covered it in the past, but last year, actually two years ago, they got bought by a private equity company. And then last year, they, there was a blip where they shut it down, but all this stuff was on their website. All this stuff was like, Hey, it's pretty, pretty, uh, important for me to know that one of my, one of my main competitors or someone were neck and neck with deals is is shutting down or they're changing their messaging or they're positioning to something different or they've changed their pricing. Like all of that is is good to know, especially when you're kind of duking it out and you don't want to seem like the last to know on maybe on a call when a customer brings it up, hey, you know, what do you think of uptime robots change of this or they change their pricing model to this thing? And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now how do I speak? you know, against them or intelligently, like I actually, you know, know the market. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think you touched on something important there is that it's, 
it's like this fear of being caught flat footed or like that you don't know what's going on. And I think that that's really obvious, especially in larger organizations where you have multiple people. Right. And it's like, if you can be the guy that knows what's going on, like you are, you're people look up to you a lot more. Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned, I think one of the ones I know on bigger enterprises is it helps them with like battle cards and salespeople to have this intel so they do know in the know and they might be like, oh, actually, yep. And maybe someone internal wrote up some copy on how, here's how we talk about X now or something like that. So yeah. I, I mean, I, on different sides of the organization, it hits a different front, but it's still the same innate like fear of missing out or a like, hey, I should really know what is going on here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I've kind of, I've kind of dove down the the customer research side of things, and um, I think I did 10, 10 people. I think I've got on my list here. Um, so I felt like that was kind of that was kind of enough to say like there is something here. Um, I'm gonna, and so the next kind of step was to build some sort of prototype so I could actually talk to people in a reasonable way because um, I found that I was having trouble kind of articulating well what is this and like you know like. They, they were like, well, it does, is it like diffing? Is it like, you know, what is this? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so um, kind of into the prototyping phase of things, uh, building out some of the, the major features that I think are like basically required to make this work. Um, and also like kind of trying to flush out some of the positioning that um, I need to have in order to, you know, not fall into the enterprise thing and compete with these existing gorillas and not fall into the marketing tools or the, the website diffing group of people. Okay. So you have started coding or is this like just backups and UIs? No. So I actually have started coding. Um, and I had some residual code from other things. So it wasn't like a, you know, crazy undertaking or anything. That's fine. I mean, this is also why we kind of do these things, right? Like that's the joy you probably more get out of uh, some of these projects is like there's is it, it's fun to just kind of get into and build a thing, right? Yeah. No, and, and I think that like there there is a lot of value in um, having like a beta or a, like an MVP that is just really stripped down and really captures the essence of what you're trying to do. I think that that helps people to understand it a lot better. True. Yeah, just sewing mock-ups and stuff like that, it, I think it does make it hard for a person to put themselves like totally in those shoes because you could probably only do, okay, I can demo you what this screen would look like with this. And I think that's helpful to show the value. But if it's like, if you're showing me, hey, here's what's, here's how the headline changed on Pingdom's site, like to me, that may not resonate with me. It'd be like, okay, that's interesting. But then it's like, oh, but I told you Ambassador shut down. You're like, well, what? Cool. <laughs> How's that? So that's going to hit a chord uh, potentially with me. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 One of the things that I've really had, had kind of had a trouble trying to figure out is how to kind of talk to people about it. Um, just about the idea. Um, because it seems that a lot of people they like they like competitive intelligence, but they're also scared of it. Like they like it because it's going to give them information that they want, but they're also scared of it because they're like, well, like I don't need to spy on other people. I'm good by myself. I don't, you know, I don't need that. 
Um, and so like how to, I, I've really struggled like how to articulate that well um, in a way that kind of sucks them in even if they're a little worried about that. Okay. Yeah, I think that's definitely something where, especially founders, and if you're looking and talking to founders, there's there's conventional wisdom that people just say, like, don't worry about your competitors, right? Like, I think sometimes people early on can, I guess in, in any phase of the business, can tend to over-obsess on their competitors to where just they're, like, stalking them <laughs> and to mm-hmm. where it's just, like, unhealthy and you feel... You know, you see them land big customers and you start to feel bad about yourself or bad about your product or things like that, or like, oh, we're never going to win this or, um, but, but also most of that is, I think, thinking in a, uh, I heard it on a podcast the other day, like, like scarcity thinking versus like abundance thinking. And this is like mm-hmm. a scarcity, like, okay, if he wins, that means I lose and it can get people in a bad state. And I think a lot of advice for people is to kind of stay, you know, away from mm-hmm. kind of your competition or, or comparing too much. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually something really interesting. I learned from the customer research because I was like, Oh, I'm going to go for, you know, startup founders. That'll be a great market. I know lots of them. And like, I go and talk to them and it's like 90% of solo founders are like, yeah, I don't care about anybody else. Like I'm focusing on my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas when you talk, when I started talking to people who who had a number of employees, you know, who are a little bit more established, then they're like, "Oh yeah, like this would be really useful." Yeah, that's interesting because, like, yeah, it's probably, yeah, they're they're like the independent, you know, founder or startup person early on is like, uh, I think a lot of reasons. One of the big attractions for people to get started in this stuff is like, yeah, I mean, if I can just get you know, 1%, (laughs) like that could be a big thing, right? Like how hard could it be to get 1%? So they're not really even thinking. They're just like, how can I just even give an equivalent or uh, they can find me first and they'll stick with me type of thing. And just to support me, like that's fine. Like I don't need to be big 50, 100 person company and worry about all that other stuff, but I can can service them for this one feature. Um, So- you're right. I think a lot of times they're just like, I just want to ship. I want to build it. I want to get there. I want to get some customers. But like, I'm not. I'm not worried about someone like jockeying for a position or cutting me off or just like, what are what are. I, I, I'm not worried about that till I probably have to worry about it. Right until something bad happens, or right. some customer calls me and yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So that's what I've been up to. Awesome. Um, have you? I'm wondering if Arvid's book has helped you at all in this too, in the whole embedded, is it embedded entrepreneur? Cause he yeah. talks there about more of like getting into community. So you've been kind of in this uh, product marketing community a bit, just stalking around there a bit. <laughs> has that, has that helped? I wonder, I, I don't, you know, again, that wasn't one of the books I read. Yeah. But yeah so it did help early on um, just to kind of help me focus on a specific area and to kind of get to know people in that area. Um, but kind of when I started getting into the customer research side of things, um, I found that I'm having a hard time finding a community because the the group is fairly large um, and like not like product marketers are one segment that probably would use this product. Um, and a lot of them work at larger companies, so they, they may not necessarily be my, my customers. 
Um, so that like that was really helpful early on. And I think now um, even just the like talking about things in public, like showing things that I'm building on Twitter and whatnot, I think that that, that I've picked up from Arvid's book. And I think that that's been really helpful. Okay. Okay. So you did mention a comment about separating yourself from like other marketing tools and things like that. And I think when you were, you put out the screenshot last night and I, I think I shared a tweet with you cause I was like, Hey, uh, I think someone was asking about, do you remember what the question was? Yeah, it was, it was Ramley and he was asking about, uh, um, competitive intelligence tools that people use for SEO, I think. Hmm. And then I'm like, Hey, <laughs> what do you think? It was just kind of right up your alley regarding you were just posting some screenshots on like, you know, showing some changes of text on people's pages or something like that. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I probably left a more cryptic message that, <laughs> but here's what I meant by it. Um, but I, I was basically like, you know, could this be the future of you being in on this type of conversation where you're getting, you know, you're, we don't even have a name for it yet. Right. Like, uh, getting mentioned for this type of software where I saw, and a lot of people are listing, like I use Ahrefs, I use, uh, SEM rush to look at traffic. So it's, they're looking at one angle from a competitive intelligence standpoint. Um, but then some of the, I think someone did mention Wayback Machine on one of them too, or what they use for research. Yeah. So they mentioned um, the Wayback Machine and one person actually mentioned Crayon, which is one of the enterprise hmm. grade softwares that I'm trying to kind of separate from, uh, okay. which is more in line with what I'm trying to do. I guess what I was thinking is from an SEO play, not even necessarily like what, what, I, what I was thinking was, could you you know, if you started having some of this information out there, which is like, okay, like let's pick a site to scrape. So let's say, or and to, to get data on, you know, is Pingdom going to change their headline on their front page, for example, mm -hmm. like sort of like that's something you could look up in the Wayback Machine, but you'd have to hand go through and you'd go yeah. in there and you'd like look for the little bar on the date and click on that wait 10 minutes for the page to load <laughs> and see what it is. And you're like, Oh, that wasn't anything yeah. or, Whoa, they had this major website redesign or something like that. But, but if other people were just like, Hey, I guess I don't know what the query, the long tail query would be, but if you were starting to like focus and niche on this, like, Hey, I'm just going to look at B2B SaaS companies. So like that's who we're targeting. And so, mm -hmm. What is, what is that very specific? I want to know headline changes. I want to know changes on pricing page, a couple different things. And some of these things you're able to craft a narrative on, Hey, here's basically the narrative of, you know, for example, you put refer rock in there, how they've changed their positioning over the past, like two years. Um, yeah. and that's like free and, and then, but someone's like, I want to get an alert. So it has like a long tail search element. So it has like yeah. some search traffic to bring attention for anyone looking for it. Yeah, no, that's like, I have been thinking in that direction. That's, that's a really good idea actually to kind of make it into more of a report as like a long tail query. That's a really good idea. Um, because I've already actually started down that path of, um, Part of my testing is I've been collecting data on a number. I have a subset like, of 90 websites or something that I'm doing right now um, mm -hmm. to basically run my analysis against. And um, and they're all in the B2B SaaS 
group because like you said, like I could use that in the future for something like that. Um, I think that's definitely uh that's a great idea to do that. I mean, I think that's a big focus. I mean, even one of the people that liked your tweet, which uh, you mentioned this morning, uh, Mark Thomas, who is the growth, uh, I think he's like the head of growth at um, Powered by Search. It's like a mm-hmm. an agency that just does like B2B SEO, B2B, you know, um, SEM, uh, all performance marketing, things like that. And they're always talking about things like alternative pages and all of these. And it's like, okay, could you start to show up in those queries um, for all these? And, and if you're focused on B2B, these are ones you could probably, I mean, you can go and look at, um, you know, the MarTech 5000, the MarTech 10,000, or any of these types of, and p- just picking a bunch of these and start, you know, using these yeah. almost as your own scraping and seeing how you can build, start building these profiles uh, mm-hmm. and have long tail searches for them. And uh, interestingly enough, I saw this quote by, I think it was Darmesh Shaw from HubSpot. It was something like, like for freemium or these types of things, was, I'm going to totally butcher it, but it was like, don't, don't just think about carving off a piece of your product product for free to give away. Think about like carving off and, or not even carving off. Think about giving away something that makes it so that your product is needed or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, instead of most people thinking like, I'm just going to say, you're going to get up to this limit, but it's like, don't think about it as limiting them in terms of what they can do and what they're, the value they're getting. Just give them something that makes them want your, your, your full service thing, like even more, if that makes sense. It's like, give them a taste. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like kind of like how like Crunchbase or whatever, you can see, you know, the top 10 results of any search query and then the rest you have to pay for or something like that. Right. Or like yours might just be like, Hey, great. Like pay for them monitoring. We're always going to show month to month changes, but get the granular detail, you know, get alerted, like sign up for these alerts, you know, pay 50 bucks a month and you get five alerts or something, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and just to, you know, something like that. Um, Yeah. That is actually really good because I was kind of struggling to think of like how, how to kind of pull people into it. Um, in a way that's like a, a smooth transition, but that would make sense. Like if we, even if it just like delayed, like to say, you know, this, this data is two weeks old and here's the full report from the last, you know, year or two. Um, and then use that as the, the pull in. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. So from a building standpoint, hmm. are you, are you rolling this all yourself or are you doing, are you using some, there's a lot of like scraping APIs and, and things like that out there that can yeah. do some of the dirty work. Um, but I don't, I know you're, you like to build things. So I would, I, I, I could kind of see a toss up of you going any one direction with this. So, yeah. Um, I did actually end up building some stuff. Um, it actually wasn't that complicated. Um, and basically the reason I built it myself was that um, I need the, I need some really low level access to be able to do the snapshots, um, like for like the Wayback machine style snapshots mm-hmm. um, and to do the diffing properly. Like I have some really specific requirements around that in order to be able to pull out features and pricing and stuff like that. Um, so I've just been working through with that. Um, obviously I'm using like tools for it. Like I'm not just, you know, 
I'm not uh, fetching the raw HTML and then, you know, right. messing around with it. Right, right. I was just wondering if you're going to run into problems like of getting blocked eventually. Like I know a lot of the scraping stuff, mm. they'll use VPNs, they'll have rotating stuff so they're not, uh, <laughs> they don't get blocked or you also have to worry about, you know, rendering the JavaScript, picking up the JavaScript, how many things have, you know, I think I asked about A-B testing, something mm-hmm. might use like a, I think there's a Google one, for Google Optimize, something like that, but there's Optimizely, there's all these other A-B testing things that will change the text for people, right? Like yeah. based off of session and usage and yeah. hopefully your stuff doesn't get too confused on, on that stuff. Yeah, so I, I do have some of those. Um, I have seen some of those issues already come up, like, for instance, the blocking and stuff like that. Um, my goal is basically to deal with the simple problems first. Um, and if we need to, if I need to get into VPNs and all of that, or if I need um, some of that, I have some services in my back pocket of people that will provide the network for that um, so that I don't have to deal with the, all of that. Um, but basically, like, the... Um, with those scraping services, I found I'm just not able to get the granularity that I need to be able to get good data. Um, and so I feel like I'm kind of push. I'm being pushed down this route. Um, mm, already. Like, yeah, you tried that one. It's like, I'll try this easy MVP. And it's like, mm, all right, I need, I need a little more than this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm hanging here, you know? Yeah. What's what's your what's no, your story about this feature? Now it's just going to be a big letdown. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. I think the reality is um, what we had is so I'll track you back a little bit to further further back. So our one of our our previous version of our referral software had a very typical. Um, would you say uh, like an email box widget in the front, like where you could put in people's email addresses. Some programs have like click this button, you can import your address book, stuff like that. Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, it's something we kind of sunsetted in our previous version of our, our widgets um, for a couple of reasons. One, it would get abuse. And two, it was like, how many people are actually going to put those in versus like, let me share a link or let me, just open up my Gmail, stuff like that. So it was sort of move, a move we did a couple years ago to just force people down like a more simplistic route. Um, but we had a lot of people, a lot of customers still using the legacy version. And we had an instance over the past couple of weeks where one of these customers migrated to the new version of the widget that's simpler um, and basically kind of got caught in between. Uh, they They thought that it supported what our old one supported and there was a mass confusion and it's a high paying customer. So we definitely want to keep them. We want to keep them happy. Um, and that we ran to a snafu where there was a miscommunication with our management team and our product team and essentially the, our CSM, uh, that was directly working with the customer, uh, basically said we could do it. And it was like a, <laughs> uh, we're like in Uh-oh. the middle of a sprint and some other things. Um, but honestly, it became a forcing function. It became a yeah. forcing function for us to just take a hard look at the feature. Uh, you know, one of the reasons we were backing away from it at that time 
was also for GDPR and is it CCPA or like all the all the privacy? I think that was the California Privacy. I, I'm probably butchering the acronym, um, but similar to GDPR, essentially it's like you know another layer on the can spam type of stuff. It's like, can you are you supposed to be sending these? Did did they give you permission to send these emails yeah. and things like that? And sending out of those forums, those are coming from our servers. They're not coming from the individual referring the friend, even mm-hmm. though that's the intention. It's like, okay, here's Nate with his referral code and he's just going to put in Josh's email and hit send and it has a pre-canned message and Josh gets an email that says, hey, Nate's referring you. Um, and you know, to try to just stray away from any of the GDPR like gray areas of like, yeah. okay, we're sending on this person's behalf, like all that stuff. So that that was one of the big reasons we kind of moved away from it. So we did, however, because we were sort of painted to a corner, and honestly, we're to the point where we are have enough on our new platform that we're like iterating faster. We're building more versions of of different share widgets, so more customers have multiple multiple options and choices of how they want to present their share. Um, and you know, we we ended up like designing one in a couple days. Um, now that we have a, a great product manager and designer on the team, you know, it was kind of like, oh, cool, we get to take a break from that big sprint we're on, and let's just like do a little mini do a little mini sprint in here. So um, that all started last week. So this was all like kind of shotgunned pretty pretty fast. And uh, yeah, by the end of the week, we had a version we are really happy with, and. We actually even added a little, like after you click send, it'll pop up and kind of like a, a warning box type of thing. But just like, it's just like, uh, I think the messaging is something like, you know, I agree that, that you know, this email is going to be sent on my behalf. And mm-hmm. we'll log that message as kind of like a checkbox terms and conditions type of thing by the end user. Um, and, and we think that that's enough to at least skirt us around <laughs> Uh, someone saying they didn't, you know, that this really came from Nate. Nate was the one initiating it, yeah, whether yeah. it came from his actual email or not. So yeah, we yeah. kind of feel like that this is a at least a a stronger argument against like this could be compliant. You know, maybe it's gray area, who knows? Um, but the reality is it's what the customer wants. And it's sometimes we have to, we have to be very prescriptive and say, no, we're not going to do this and steer them in the right direction. And there's sometimes you're like, all right, I guess, I guess, <laughs> yeah. I, got, I guess we got to do this. So, but um, it's, it sounds like your original when you originally tried to get rid of the the address book import, it mm-hmm. sounded like you you're kind of a, you're worried about the GDPR stuff, but you're also maybe not as in touch with the customer as as you thought you were, right? Like this customer, it was really important for them, and. You're kind of like, ah, well, you know, we're going to force you not to. What do you, what do you mean by that? Like, as in, like, well, like you 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 got rid of the the feature, right, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in the past, and now you're bringing it back. So obviously, there was some sort of disconnect there, um, right? That that you could have just well, kept they, it. that they thought that that was going to be in there, or that just like we were not in tune with what their their needs were. Right. Like just that, like being in tune with them, I guess I'm just thinking of like Michelle's discussion from last week and she's talking about like 
really trying to get to know your customers. And I think sometimes as like software people, we can sometimes think like, no, do it this way just because I said so, I know better. Um, and like sometimes it could be super helpful to be like, oh, hey, like they actually, you know, they have requirements and our job is to make them happy. Well, it gets, I mean, it get it does get a little harder with SaaS and with other laws like GDPR and other things. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, there was a reason and, and also, I guess what the interesting part too is, you know, we're always looking at, well, your end goal is that this performs better and you get more referrals, right? And what's funny is that that is not always the case, right? That's some of the things we're learning as well, which is we could tell them the other one's going to perform better. And the reality is they didn't care. Like this is what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And they don't care if it's not going to work. They just, this is this is the visual that they want. This is the font they want. This is the whatever they want. And I think that's that's probably one of the bigger lessons I've learned going through this. There's like, there's the obvious value, which, or these, the, like the metric based value of like, well, I think we're delivering for them. But at the same time, what, you know, that doesn't matter unless my boss signs off on it and he likes the color blue. So if you can't put blue in this, like it doesn't matter. And it's like, okay. And, and, and we have to, you know, thread a needle where, okay, we're still a SaaS. We're not going to let everyone customize every color. This isn't Mm -hmm. custom software. This isn't whatever, but then it's like, there's times we have to backtrack or we have to figure some things out. I mean, it did become a great opportunity for us to refresh that widget. And we put some other really cool things in there that I'm really excited to about. Um, and then when we did present it to the customer this week, it was along much more along the lines of like, Hey, you know, we know there was a snafu, but at the same time, like, so we've accelerated development on this. We prioritized this, you know, uh, we kind of saved face a little bit. We're like, Hey, it's, it was on the roadmap, but now we're prioritizing it, but trying to just, make sure they had the message that this isn't custom for you. So it yeah. wasn't like, hey, what do you think? This is this is what we're building for you because that would open up a can of worms. It was more of like, hey, with this is now being prioritized. We understand you're important as a customer. Here's what it is and here's what the, the options are going to be and here's how it explains. Like here's the screenshots and the workflow, mm-hmm. but not asking for advice. But hopefully if they were violently opposed to something, oh, this isn't going to work, like, we would hear from it, but otherwise we got like, oh, this looks great. Awesome. And so, yeah. you know, we, we at least know that they were pretty sure they'll be happy once this all gets live, which will be hopefully in about a week. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but then it's like, it's really about like taking feedback from the customer as opposed to like taking directions from the customer. Right. Like that's, is that kind of what you're saying? Uh, I mean, it's just, I guess in this case, it was especially kind of threading a needle because the reality is we were, we are, we're only, we're doing it for them, but we still have to do it in the case we want to use this for other customers as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not, but if they, if it, this didn't come up from them, you know, I don't know when we would have gotten around to it because it's one of those things where sometimes we have to hold a line and just say like, okay, this is how much we're going to build. And for example, this first version of the widget, you can customize any of the text, but you can't like turn a button on or turn a button off because it's going to have certain social buttons. But we're comfortable going out with that. And unless someone really pushes us hard to say like, okay, we need another page to be able to 
to admin edit these. And it's, it's so, as you know, with development, so easy to kind of go down the rabbit hole of like, oh, this optionality, this optionality, this optionality. And what we've tried to take a better stance at is just, this is what it is. And then if we, if it's really so bad that you cannot use it and you're putting your foot down and not paying or quitting or whatever, like Mm -hmm. then we'll kind of reconsider a little bit because in our first versions of everything, like everything was a lot more custom. I mean, you could insert your own like JavaScript and CSS on the pages and people totally bastardized some of the stuff we originally (laughs) did, which was fine, but it made it really, really hard to support. So it was kind of the other side of the spectrum, which was, like give the people what they want and know your customer. And it's like, yeah, but you also have to be like, okay, you know what? Like you need, we need special permission to be able to give you CSS access to that. And you have to jump through these hoops and we have to really special case it instead of like allowing them to do that. And you'll kind of like let, let, let them, let them, let them run the zoo, so to speak. Um, So there's a balance. And I think we're learning. We TikToked one way and, and I think we're just, slowly pulling back just on, on special cases, which I think is a better balance for us. Yeah. And I'm sure your dev team loves you for it. (laughs) They're pretty good. They're pretty good. It was, it was nice. Honestly, uh, they were able to, you know, we present all the stuff end of last week and then talking Monday, got some rough estimates, got some just like, Hey, we think it can be the next build for next week. We're like, okay, well, we'll say the customer will get it the week after that. Is that, you know, you're comfortable with that just to give us some, extra wiggle room and testing mm-hmm. room and stuff like that. So, but, um, it's sometimes it's those things like when you're in a sprint, like you like to work on some other fun things that are outside and just have a little mini sprint or a little mini side jaunt. So I think mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, our team gets, gets excited about those things. And yeah, I think, I think that's really nice. If you do it once in a while, just to, to jazz things up. Um, you just have to be careful, like becoming reactionary, right? Like, I oh yeah, I mean, like, I know you aren't like that. But, um, <laughs> for us at this point, at the size of the team and the way everything moves, it's like it, it's definitely an, an exception, not the rule. But um, interestingly enough, this morning, um, so that all went out like yesterday in terms of to the customer, and you know, went through the dev team, all those pieces, and then interestingly enough, this morning, <laughs> um, it has come up already like two or three times from other. People, even though when we initially presented to the salespeople, they were like, eh, I don't know. I don't know if people really are going to care that much. Um, but what happened was we've shown it to a few other customers or CS, the people that were already dealing with it, like showed it to some other people. And there's other, now there's other customers. There's like basically a line is now forming out the door for for using this this yeah. new uh, new share widget. So. That's that's fascinating though, because like if you think about like if you could go back in time, um, what what questions could you have asked your customers that would help you uncover that, right? Or like how well, how? Go ahead. I don't know. I mean, I went, we weren't prepared to do it then for a lot of reasons. Like we weren't equipped to do it then, so I don't know. Okay. It, it was one of these things that probably I put on the side. I was like, we'll revisit this, but later, and then just mm-hmm. later became a, you know hair on yep. fire moment. <laughs> so, um, but it, but it's nice. The serendipity is great. Like when this does happen, but I'll say like, we weren't prepared to do it then. Um, mm-hmm. and we were definitely trying to strip things down and trying to make things simpler, which we did. And it was, it made building all these new iterations, 
uh, the new platform like so much easier because we stripped down all the requirements and we made kind of a hard line when we did that. We're like, we're going to build the, what is the most effective? What is the most like pleasing to the eye? Like all of these things. And then we'll, we'll fight the individual battles as they come. And that this is one that hasn't come for, I mean, a year and a half, like the new stuff has been out for like a year and a half. And this was a customer that's been with us that was just hanging on (laughs) to this old stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it might just be like, how many more people do we need to move over from the legacy one and what other are the holdups and are they worth building in the new one to kind of pollute and complicate the new one? Um, or was this just a bad, we don't want to transition that bad habit forward. So this is one of those marginal ones, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we did it and we were in the right, right time for it. So yeah, switching from legacy to a new version is always a, always a fun bag of tricks. Yep. Yep. So nice. cool. Well, that was cool. fun. A little impromptu one. And uh, yeah, we'll get back to kind of, I don't know. It's hard <laughs> to say to what's regular. normal now. What's normal <laughs> now? We've been doing interviews, which I think have been really fun. Um, mm-hmm. We've been doing, uh, I think yeah, originally we planned on doing more of a, a deep dive on one company as a, as a story, kind of as our own research. So hopefully we'll line that up next, but be on the, be on the lookout for that. So yeah. Now returning to regular programming. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at Searching for SAS on Twitter. That's searching the number four SAS. Or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. See you next week.